All right, man, this is episode 45 of the Cozy Corner of Cinema. This is being recorded on Monday, February 6th, 2023 at 5.51 p.m. Hope your guys' weekend was fulfilling, was what you wanted it to be. And if it wasn't by any chance, well, luckily you have this one coming up. But there are no guarantees, so it is important to make worthwhile the time that you have while you still have it. Been quite busy lately, of course. Um, first episode being recorded at night. The sun has fallen behind the trees. The moon is beginning to take over. With traces of blue in the sky and blackness underneath it. The cat is resting here, falling back into a slumber with the cold light of night sitting behind him. Gosh, man. It's great to be back again. Glad to get this episode in, you know. Monday. Monday is seen as the bastard child of the week. It is seen as the beginning of a long road ahead. That long road being, for a lot of people, the salvation that is Friday when they are off of work. Now, Monday is a day in which it can be interpreted like any other day in how you approach it. I saw something today. That was a quote or something along those lines. I don't even remember the exact quote was, but it's not the Mondays that are bad. It's your motivation or your attitude or something like that. Basically saying that, you know, life is full of Mondays, literally Mondays, of course. But the idea of a Monday of seemingly the beginning of a long road ahead. And in this case for the show, it can go into the creative endeavors if you are working on whatever art it is that you want to work on and you are stuck at an early point or you're stuck at the beginning of something at, at the Monday as it is you want to write a great screenplay or direct a great film or whatever it is you want to do and that end point seems so far away. But it is important that if you are persistent and you work towards your goal to the point of achieving the Friday or Saturday mentality, whatever it is you want to do, then it can be achieved. Monday, the Monday mentality shouldn't be seen as a negative thing. It should be seen as a start to a new path. The, the future lays ahead of you. It's not guaranteed. So that's why you just got to go feet first, headstrong, arms up, shoulders up, not arms up. Unless you want to do arms up, go for it. But... It is a goal to be accomplished. So when we get to our Fridays or our Saturdays or Thursdays, we all have different work schedules. But when you get to the end of the day and you see the bright horizons ahead until that next Monday, then you can look back and you can wonder whether or not that week was fulfilling. You know, it certainly doesn't help that February is the shortest month of the year. We have 28 days to do what we need to do at the time of recording this. We have, uh, gosh, my math is terrible. However many days are left. In the equation, we all have our daily goals, our weekly goals, our monthly goals, yearly goals, decades goals, whatever it is may be. So it is important that we keep that Monday mentality with us, but keep it as a positive, as something, as a challenge to look ahead, to look at that piece of paper, to look at that document on our computer that has no words on it, that uh, canvas has no paint on it, 
and to see what it can become and what we can make of it because ain't no one going to type the words for you. Ain't no one going to think thoughts for you. Ain't no one going to paint for you. It all has to come from you. You want to direct that great film? It starts with you, man. You got to sit around and go, oh, man, I can't believe they made, you know, this movie's making a million dollars, a billion dollars, and this movie's making, you know, this this indie movie's making a bunch of money and stuff, and it's, I could have done that. It's like, well, yeah, you could have done that, man, but you didn't. The person who did do it is the one reaping the benefits, reaping the rewards, you know. And I hear that a lot. Oh, anyone, I remember hearing that about the Bill Eric's project. Oh, anyone could have made that film. Anyone could have made that film. You're absolutely right. Someone did. Uh, Eduardo Sanchez and Daniel, what the hell is his last name? I don't remember his last name. Probably not helping to the point that I had here. But anyone could have made it, and they did. And they made one of the biggest films of the 90s. And also one of my favorite films, but it is entirely subjective. Daniel Merrick, by the way. Anyways, with that said, for today, or tonight, let me have a sip of this beverage. We'll go right into it. I initially, before was going to make an episode on underseen films of 2022 and I had an idea of where I wanted to go with that and ultimately I keep forgetting the sound my phone ultimately it didn't pan out because at around that time the Oscar nominations were announced and some films that I initially thought were underseen apparently were not so and the idea of it even being underseen to begin with is completely it's nonsense really because films that you may find or whatever it is that you may think that no one knows about or you only know about not saying that I thought these were films that no one knew about but I thought it was a good platform to highlight certain films and and it is but underseen is completely subjective and not a good way to uh, uh, kind of put the quality of a film because a film can be underseen and be complete nonsense underseen for a reason well there's the opposite overseen not even overseen uh uh more so uh films that are widely seen there we go that you may find are undeserving or are deserving it's completely subjective but with that said i figured i would go through some titles released in the year 2022 as opposed to films that I had seen theatrically in 2022 but were in fact 2021 releases and ironically enough I have the top 10 of 2021 coming at the beginning of March so a couple titles a couple of the best titles I've seen this year actually three of them uh, will not be mentioned here but will be mentioned Hopefully on that list, one of which I know definitely will. The other two need to be rewatched. So with that said, I'm going to give a brief rundown of just some films. Nothing too crazy here, but films that were officially released in the year 2022. Starting off with the movie documentary, Free Chol Suitly, a documentary that on initial viewing, I uh, had no a lot of these films that I watch, I have no idea what the plot is. I just watch them as is. And the first half of the film is definitely one that you have an idea of the outcome. You have an idea of sort of where the story is going in terms of racial injustice and uh, miscommunication. And you think what an inspiring and uh, story, you know, that we've seen before, but 
can't get old. And then what's interesting about this documentary is that it takes a different direction in the second half, maybe less so in the second half, but sort of what happens to a person, in this case, Mr. Chol Su Lee, who was thrusted into the spotlight and the effects that that has on his life. And I found this to be such a fascinating documentary. One that, not knowing anything about the real-life story of this person, Chol Su Lee, who is put in jail, wrongly convicted of a murder, and the fame that comes with it, and the personal cost that it takes as well. It gets... It's, it can be funny at times. It's dramatic. It ends uh, hopeful. But a great documentary. Mubi has been putting out just some terrific documentaries. Um, or, I'm sorry, not even documentaries. Just some terrific films. And um, I believe this was a Mubi title it's released. Um, because some titles they put out are not Mubi distributed if that makes sense. So I believe this was one of theirs that they distributed. As well on that, an Apple TV film. This was Cha-Cha Real Smooth, directed and starring Mr. Cooper Rafe, also starring Dakota Johnson and Vanessa Burghardt. And what a terrific film as well. It's a film that has a lot of heart without being overly sentimental. It's dramatic and realistic without being melodramatic and this guy Cooper Rafe I am not familiar with him as a actor or as a director I believe I have heard of his previous film I think it was called the shithouse or it was called yes that's right shithouse from 2020 and I had not been familiar with him and you get the sense of a real interesting direction with this guy he's a guy who his direction is solid but he's a charismatic leading man, and I can't say for sure how he is or how he does in his previous film, but this being his sophomore film, well, I guess technically his third film, I directed a film. Oh, no, wait, I'm looking at his acting credits. My bad on that. But anyways, it doesn't even matter. It's an interesting way that he does it. It's a character who is a bit of a loser in a way. A loser in the sense of him feeling like a loser, being directionless in his life, working at a stand in the mall, a food stand. Um, and through some circumstances, he gets the improbable job of a party starter in which he meets uh, Dakota Johnson's character, who is at a bar mitzvah or a, a party or bar mitzvah with her daughter with, uh, I think it was autism or Asperger's, one of the two. And he meets a, uh, and he and he tries to start a real connection in a way that makes his character interesting. Where he is trying to get through to Dakota Johnson's character Domino through her daughter Lola, played by Vanessa Burkhart. But there is still that feeling of actual sincerity that he's not just using the daughter to get to the mom. At least not completely. This also has an appearance by one of my favorite actors I've discovered of lately, Raúl Castillo, who has been in quite a number of films that I've seen lately. Weirdly enough, he's been in We the Animals, which I watched for 2018. He was in the film Hustle with Adam Sandler from 2022, which I liked quite a bit. He was in that film Cold Weather from 2007, directed by the fella who directed Action uh, uh, Dance Party USA, whose name I cannot remember. Also, that film was 2010, not 2007, and the director is Aaron Katz. 
my bad. He's a very interesting actor, and I think he brings a very good performance here. There's no two-dimensional characters in this. Everyone has a little bit more going on, and the conclusion of the film I found very bittersweet. Unfortunately, with this being an Apple TV Plus exclusive, I can't see it getting a Blu-ray. At least, I find it unlikely. And that's a shame, because much like 2021's The Tragedy of Macbeth, it's difficult to recommend, because the immediate question they will ask is, where's the streaming? Now, I don't know if this is available to rent elsewhere. I would imagine, maybe. But either way, let's get these films out on Blu-ray. Because uh, anything can happen on the streaming services and not exactly reliable. Moving on to one of my very favorite films of the year. Um, the funniest film I saw this year, which was Brian and Charles. This was a... Now, I might get this wrong. I don't know if this was a... I don't know what part of Europe this is in. But it's the very heartwarming story of... You have this guy, David Earl. And this is a film I've talked about on the show recently, so I won't go too much into it. David Earl plays an inventor living in an isolated area. He is by himself... Not many people around. He has some a girl that he talks to every now and then, but he decides to build this improbable robot friend, Charles, who is uh, a an amalgamation of different parts, including the body of a washing machine, which is as ridiculous as it sounds. And it's a film that it's more comedy than drama, but the drama works in so much as it complements the comedy when it never gets overly dramatic. The the true moments of drama come from the bittersweetness of it. You know, this was a film that I thought a lot of this year in terms of the ending of the film, where the ending I thought was very funny and very sweet and dramatic. It all worked together. It blended together well. This is from director Jim Archer and writer David Earle and Chris Hayward. And it was the hardest I laugh this year. Maybe not the hardest. Maybe it was definitely the funniest film I've seen this year. The charisma that comes with David Earl's performance, as well as the performance so much as Chris Hayward playing Charles and the friend whose name I should have up right here. It is, I believe it is this actor, Louise Brealy. I believe so. I'm not familiar with her work, but it all comes across the board as a very sweet film without being overly sweet without being overly sentimental it has a real heart to it that i found to be incredibly rewarding in the long run documentary as well another good documentary i saw plenty of good documentaries this year this one was titled my old school and this is one of my favorite kinds of documentaries it's an ever unraveling mystery you have alan cumming in the film who is stepping in for a person named Brandon who goes to a new school in the 90s. He's a teenager, and he's in Glasgow, Scotland, and things are going well for Brandon. He's popular. Girls like him. Guys want to be friends with him. Things are going well, but something ain't right, and there are some secrets that will be revealed. And I found this to be an incredibly charming documentary as well. A great mystery unfolds, and it's a mystery that's not something big, it's more so something that, when it's revealed, you can see where they're coming from, but ultimately, it can't last in terms of this person hiding something. I 
don't remember what the trailer exactly gave away, but I think this is a film that is better to go into completely blind. Um, because especially in the third act, towards the end, there are a lot of reveals, one after another, uh, in a way that even as the characters are talking, there are still more reveals coming out about it. And But there is a great uh, uh, point that comes back to at the end of the film, uh, a point referenced to begin at the middle of the film that comes back to that is very rewarding. And I truly did not hear anyone talk about this film, uh, but I found this to be very engaging and very funny as well as dramatic. Worth watching for sure. God's Country is a film that has been unfortunately overseen because of such a great, or has been, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that, has been unfortunately overseen at the cost of a terrific performance by Dandy Newton, who's an actor who I've always seen in films, but I don't know if never stood out to me as being anything exceptional, but was never an actor. Maybe it's perhaps that not many leading roles for her, but she is fantastic in this film, and this was an incredible drama thriller what i like about this film a lot is that the trailer gives you one thing the trailer has the idea of a thriller when you watch the film it's something a lot more human than that there's a lot more going on with these characters there's just great interactions between fandy newton's character and some of the other people who she comes to terms with not comes to terms with that text on the this has to confront including one especially terrific sequence inside a church that says a lot about two characters. We find this film is more of a character piece. It's not as much of a thriller more so than it is a... It has you going one way, and then at a certain point, the film doesn't exactly change gears, but it starts to shift in another direction in a way that it is something of a downfall for certain characters. And the morality between certain characters in the film becomes more and more blurred and I thought the script for this film was very smart it's characters who uh, when there is a conflict it is intent to be resolved as soon as they can you see films where you have characters who are going through a conflict and that you wonder why they don't do this they don't call the police they don't confront them or anything like that and one of the things that i knew was going to be different about this film early on is that sandra's character played by fanny newton uh is uh threatened at a certain point early on and she immediately takes action and does something about it and from there you wonder okay where is the film going to go to now because essentially she did the right thing and we are only about 20 minutes into the film terrific film really one of the year's best in terms of quality to scene this was one that i don't think was all that scene but worth your time nonetheless i'll have to hurry along with some of these other titles i know i'm not going to get to them all but i will talk about just a couple that i wanted to mention in terms of quality now i will say one of the very best films i've seen this year that i thought was underseen but has been nominated for best foreign language film and that is directed by jerry skolomowski who has done many great films such as one of my favorite films deep end as well as he's done the shout which i watched recently which is very good and this is eo his take on how how do i say his name al hazard balthazar a film that i have not seen a film that 
hear in comparison a lot to this. There's not a lot of dialogue in the film. We basically follow a donkey who, at the start of the film, is performing in a circus, is not being treated the best, and is on, eventually, is abandoned, encounters different kinds of people, different areas in his journey across Europe, essentially. I guess, not even across, I, I, don't, even, I don't know exactly what part of Europe this is in. Um, I've heard this as a Polish film. I've heard this as, I believe it's French at times. I'm not exactly sure what country of origin this is. It says Poland and Italy on IMDb. So, But this was a film that I just couldn't get out of my head. I thought Jared Skolomowski has yet again made a terrific film. Also written, I'm sorry, I say Jerry, I say, meant to say Jersey. Also written by Eva Piaskowska. Uh, Isabel Hubert is a small role in the film, probably the biggest name in it, but uh, the film is just a beautiful journey through this area of Europe. The difficulties and the trials and tribulations that the donkey faces, aside from the people who are cruel to him, the lighting schemes that he uses in the film, he uses these great harsh reds, the beautiful bleaknesses of the day, it all comes together in a very realistic feeling journey of this donkey really just going across this countryside. And one of my favorite sequences in the film, which is maybe the darkest sequence in the film in terms of uh, he gets trapped, uh, uh, Eo actually gets trapped in a, um, I don't even know exactly what to call it, in like a pen area, and some bad things are happening to some of the animals there, and it's a very uh, uh, intense sequence, but the directing is so strong, and we just see that, you know, a film like this, I want to compare it to another film, a film that I actually like quite a bit, but a film that I think this film, I keep saying film, a film that the tone of this matches much better for me, as I will look at a film like White God from... I believe it was 2014. And that's a film where you have, where we follow a dog who's abandoned and eventually it's also in some part of Europe. I don't remember where we follow the dog's journey through a lot of other stray dogs, a lot of people who are trying to capture the dogs, um, people who kidnap dogs for dog fighting and stuff. And it's a film that I liked quite a bit. It was good. It was dramatic. It was dark. Um, but the problem that I had with that film was that it, the tone between being harshly realistic and something of a fairy tale or something of a bit more narrative stride uh, was not consistent for me. Where it didn't, it, it, when the realism worked for me, um, but the blatant uh, 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 motivation of the dog characters didn't quite so much. Like we have a character in that film who is a dog fighter. And he's very abusive towards the dogs, and we follow the dogs who essentially get payback on on you know who want to get payback on these characters, and and ultimately, I don't know how much that really worked for me in terms of the more fantasy like parts of it, uh, aside from the grim realities. Whereas this film is not, I don't believe it's as dark as that film, but it is willing to go to some dark places, and the ending of the film as well is very absolute. It's very um, cut to black. It's done. If I did have a minor complaint, including the ending, I will say, I will say the notice that no animals were harmed 
probably shouldn't have been immediately after the ending. Um, I think in terms of the fact that some impact is lost just a little bit by having that be the end of the film, by having it remind you that it is just a film. Um, because obviously they're not going to go out and be cruel to these animals, but a minor complaint for one of the very best films of the year. I thought this was just a total, just incredible film, but one that apparently a lot of people have seen because it has been nominated. And I hope more people see it. And I hope people look back into Richard Salomowski's skull. I can't say that name into his filmography. Well, I don't have much time left, so maybe I can try to squeeze some more in. I had mentioned Broker last time briefly. Not last time. I mentioned it a couple episodes ago when I talked about another film that I probably don't need to talk about, but has been seen quite a bit, and that is Skin Americ, a divisive film, but in my opinion, one of the very best of the year. It's definitely the most interesting horror film in a while. I found it to be uh, very long-lasting. I found it to be a film that I've thought a lot about, and I just enjoy the atmosphere of it all, the very slow pacing of it, the building tension to ultimately what I found to be a very unsettling conclusion. It's one of the best horror films of recent memory, and I look forward to whatever Kylo Edward Ball will do next. And I mentioned that on the episode with Broker, the new Hirokazu Kurita, or Hirokazu Kurita film, I apologize, and... Uh, it might, like I said in that episode, it might be my favorite film of his by far. I found this film to be incredibly emotional, incredibly funny, dramatic, has moments of true tenderness, and the conclusion, it fits into Karita's style in terms of not so much ambiguous conclusions, but it's not quite an, a closed book at the end. I love this film. This is really one of the very best films I've seen this year. Let's see. I think I'll talk about two more here and we'll get out of here. Actually, I should say... Well, maybe three more. Well, all right. I'll mention these three briefly and then we'll wrap it up. Empire of Light, Sam Mendes' new film. Um, it has its problems. I think the script has its issues at times, but the real heart of the film is there. Olivia Coleman gives a terrific performance as well as certain other newcomers in the film like Michael Ward, uh, Toby Jones is very good in the film. He has a very brief role, but he is solid as well. Tom Brooke, Hannah Oslow. I thought it was just, just a really terrific film. And I, I, I mentioned this because seeing some not-so-great reviews early on, uh, but you just got to see a lot of these films for yourself, man. You can't uh, rely on word of mouth. If you're interested in something, you just have to see it because I thought this was terrific. Same with The Inspection, which I don't actually know how this was reviewed doesn't matter, though. This was directed by Elegance Bratton about a... I think I actually mentioned this briefly on the last Blu-rays episode, but a young man who goes to join the army because he is lost in life. He doesn't have many friends left alive. He His mother doesn't care about him. He is gay. And also the another film with the actor Raul Castillo, who I mentioned before, who is great in the film. I think this is a film that is just short of being one of the very best of the year, but it is great as well. There are just a couple moments that I thought would, um, did hold it back. Also with Bokeem Woodbine, who, or Woodbine, who has been in a bunch of stuff. You have seen this face before. Um, this, even being distributed by A24, surprisingly did not get a lot of mention, but is worth seeing for sure. And finally, 
the last film I will mention, I just had it here, was The Eternal Daughter, uh, directed by Joanna Hogg, who did The Souvenir from 2018, which I did not see, but I heard good things about. I wish I had seen that for the 2018 episode. Oh, you know what? Actually, I think I didn't see it because it was 2019, technically. But uh, very slow film as well. You have Tilda Swinton playing dual roles as a daughter filmmaker and her mother who is staying at this, I believe, Scottish uh, hotel. Very little actors in the film. It's very light on plot, but has a haunting quality to it. And when it comes to the inclusion of the film, I found it to be very long-lasting. I've heard some overall mixed things in the film, at least to where... Uh, acquaintances of mine, but um, overall, I would say this was one of the better highlights, underrated scene films of 2022. And it looks like I am running out of time, so I hope some of these films you will keep in your conscience going forward in terms of films to see. We have so many films coming out every year that it can be hard to keep up with, so whether it be me or anybody else, to find films that are off the straying path in terms of less talked about and whatever films you see pass them on to friends family acquaintances anyone who enjoys art that is all that i have for now